You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. No Andy this week, unfortunately, as he has got to work. Damn those in real life commitments. They do get in the way, but they do pay for the hobby. So it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So on this week's show, we're going to be talking about um, some tickets, which we've just literally got our hands on uh, a few moments ago. uh, And that is for our first big Warhammer World tournament since the dawn of time. Well, not since the dawn of time, since since covid uh, since the end times. <laughs> since the end times. So we're going to be chatting about that a little bit later on in the show, talking about what we might be might be taking. Um, basically, just getting really giddy about going to a tournament at Warhammer World, mm. um, which is uh, which is fantastic. Uh, we're also going to be talking about our top free terrain um, kits uh, later on in the show. Um, there's quite a big selection now across all the different um, gaming systems, so it should make for a, for a fun top free. Uh, and we've also got all of the latest news as well, including some more about those Black Templars. Um, so that should be pretty exciting. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby since the last podcast. So, Jay, what have you been up to? Um, so I've not done loads of painting, but I've done quite a lot of modelling. So I've um, been working on the um, Battlefleet Gothic Corsair Eldar, um, restoring them. Uh, and I've been uh, putting them all back together uh, this week, so um, I still need to find some bases for some of the models. I've based a few of them, um, but I'm really happy with how these have um, sort of come up new. Um, so that, that's been the building side. I've also built some Primaris Assault Intercessors um, <clears throat> in anticipation of the Black Templars uh, coming out this month. Um, they've, they've sort of been announced a bit sooner than I was, I was expecting, so I thought I'd got a, got a bit of a head start on the Black Templars, but maybe not. Um, and then on the painting stream last night, I started painting up a test model for the Black Templars, so working on the Black Armour, using uh, Louise Sugden's um, Black Armour Masterclass, but without as many layers. Um, mm. As I didn't, you know, I think her Masterclass is great for sort of centerpiece models and characters, but for your general infantry, I, um, I think um, it might be a bit overkill and take me quite a long time to paint. Uh, yeah, so that's so that's me. Excellent. Uh, quite a rapid rapid fire there. Um, I'm kind of the same. Um, I have started painting my Void Dragon. Um, such an amazing model. Um, I, what I did on well, I didn't get to join you guys on the stream last night, but I was painting along. Um, and I've kind of lightened up the the body of the Void Dragon, and I've started work on the many pieces of floating debris. Um, <laughs> that's around him, like the I guess it's Blackstone, isn't it? That's um floating around him so uh yeah he's gonna be really fun i mean when you start putting your paintbrush on these things you you start to realize how long it's going to take um i keep finding bits of debris and i'm like oh there's another bit um so yeah but he's going to be really impressive i think once he's finished uh and then he's going to start smiting some primaris vehicles or orc vehicles whatever he can get his hands on or spear on um so yeah really looking forward to to, to getting him finished um aside from that i've built some necron warriors that came with imperium and uh, i think that's me really for the for the hobby this week uh matt what have you been up to 
Well, I finished painting the kill rig and oh, what a beast that model is. Mm-hmm. Such an amazing kit. It's so, so cool. So, yeah, we were lucky enough to get one a little bit early from Games Workshop and I've been furiously painting that. And um, yeah, kind of with the excitement of painting that up, I've been uh, building some more beast snaggers. So I've built all the uh, heroes, all the beast snaggers specific ones. And last couple of days I've been building up some... Um, squig hog boys which again are an amazing kit as well yeah really really love the beast naga stuff it's very very cool we're going to a tournament in november and i think i'll be bringing a beast naga army along well i was actually just going to say um it's funny that all three of kind of our projects this week have all been on armies that we're hoping to take to the the next unicorn one day uh, which is a 40k 1250 point tournament i'm going to be taking the necrons jay you're hoping to be taking the black templars and and matt the um Aurux, Aurux, of, um, <laughs> Some iron orcs 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 crusher in your list matt <laughs> yeah it should do <laughs> yeah you do awesome you do ace so we're looking forward to that. It should be, um, I mean, you guys got to take part in the two-day tournament, actually properly in the tournament. Uh, was it last weekend? It was last weekend, wasn't it? Two weekends all, ago, yeah. It all blurs together. Yeah. It yeah. was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Weekend before last year. Yeah. So um, it'll be my first proper, you know, not as a spare player, but as actual taking part in the actual tournament. Actual player. Actual I, I player. thought you were entering under the, under the uh, moniker spare player. I should really, shouldn't I? I think you should. It's a, a mysterious joke. spare player who no one knows who the, his real identity is, but he turns up to tournaments and claims the wooden spoon. Like the squig at squig. Oh, my goodness. Like the stig, but instead of a, a, a driving <laughs> squig. helmet. I mean, that works, Dave. That works. The, the squig, squig is better, yeah. The squig is better. I should get like a purple helmet or something with a squig face on it. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have to see about that. Not not too sure if I'll be able to pull that off. But um, it should be fun nonetheless talking about tournaments we'll obviously be talking about an age of sigma one a little bit later on in the in the show um yeah i really like the uh the killer the paint job you've you've done on that model Matt. and um it's such a large model and i think you've broke it down you're saying on the paint stream last last night you broke it down into sub assemblies but the overall it's brilliant isn't it that kit and, and the whole the, the paint scheme you've given it um what what are your plans for rolling that out for the rest of your army so, yeah, but basically I'm going to steal a studio scheme, really. So that kind of battered, worn white armour works really well for the Beast Snaggers because they're not maintaining their equipment, are they? Um, I, I, I've given some thought to the squigs as well. So the the uh, Rammer squig, I think he's called, the one pulling the kill rig, he's a, obviously a bigger, older squig. So I've gone from more of a um, corn red kind of base to it, where the squig hogs because they're younger, more aggressive, they're going to have more of a Mephiston red to them, oh, just wow, to give okay. a bit of distinction across them. Yeah. Um, other than that, pretty much the whole uh, the rest of it can just be transcribed over to the other models. It's fairly quick to do. If you are building a kill rig, I would highly recommend building it in sub-assemblies, because it will be infinitely easier to paint it if you do that. So I basically left the construction of the kill rig itself as one part, uh, kept all the guns separate, kept all the crew separate, and the squig separate. Painted that all in bits, took it all together. The weapons are still detachable because you can actually take off the weapons and the the whir tower on the back and reassemble it as the hunter rig if you wanted to run a hunter rig, for example. So yeah, there's quite there's, like, there's been quite a lot of thought going into the design of the kit to let you do that because not all kits are that easy to uh, to swap out between the builds, are they? No, no. No, well, I mean, this... Dave, you've been putting together the Void Dragon, and I guess, you know, 
you've had a bit of tr- uh, trouble with the lightning effects and whatnot at the bottom of the model. Yeah, I really wanted to do the base separate to the Void Dragon, but really you, you, you can't. I mean, pro- people probably have done, um, but I wanted to make sure it all lined up and I just found it easier to, to, to glue it all together. I mean, it does have, there is quite a few gaps between the energy beams, so you can get towards the base and stuff. So it shouldn't be that much of a problem. Uh, that wraps up um, quite a prompt intro to this week's podcast, but we do have quite a bit of content to get through, so we'll be right back with the news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, this week we've got a box that I know Jay is super excited for. The Black Templar's army set is up for pre-order. Uh, it costs £125. This is your big kind of... Uh, precursor to the full black templars range that's following a little bit later and it looks a pretty good box you get codex with a limited cover uh with the the john blanche artwork from the third edition of warhammer 40,000. iconic artwork it looks so good uh, you also get all your kind of uh, cards in there so your uh, stratagems all that kind of stuff you also get a 13 model which seems low on model count but of those you get the emperor's champion you get a marshal you get a Primaris Crusader squad, which is the new. Um, they're, they're not. They're not actually scouts, are they? The, the neophytes, but like the trainers, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you get a Redemptor Dreadnought. Now, unfortunately, the Redemptor doesn't have any upgrade parts on it. It's literally just the stock Redemptor kit. But all the other new models in the box are brand new. We did a bit of number crunch, and we reckon that the plastic contents of the box is 120 quid. So basically, you're getting the codex and the cards for a fiver which uh, seems pretty good. So maybe one that's less good for buying multiples of and, and building out your Black Templars force. But arguably, if you can shift the uh, the codex and the cards on eBay, yeah, you might be able to get a fair chunk of your army for it. I mean, you've got a few characters that you probably wouldn't want duplicates of. Um, and I don't think it's going to be too long until the main Black Templars range comes out. But it's certainly a good buy if you want to get into it. Uh, you also get a transfer sheet in the box as well. New Black Templars transfer sheet. So I know you're you're going to be picking this up, aren't you, Jay? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's come a bit sooner than, than I was uh, expecting. I thought we might see the um, Snowcast Dragons this week. Um, but, yeah, pleasantly, you know, it's a nice surprise. Um, and uh, they, on the... Um, Warhammer community website today they sort of revealed the the rest of the range as well they did uh, that might be later on in the news jay oh uh, well we'll come back to that then <laughs> so yeah also for pre-order uh, on saturday we've got a couple of made to order things for blood bowl so we've got an amazon team and a tomb kings team uh obviously these are the old classic models and they're a little bit goofy looking these days, but if you do want to roll Tomb Kings for Blood Bowl, that is an option for you because a lot of these made-to-order uh, models normally go for silly money on eBay, don't they, if you miss out on them? Uh, yeah, you can tell me about that because um looking for Battlefleet Gothic on eBay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you've... So, yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 personally, I think I'll hold fire till we get a new plastic Tomb Kings because, let's face it, we're going to get them eventually, aren't we? I thought so, yeah. Even if it's a couple of years down the road, it's, um, yeah, I don't think I'd bring myself to paint the old ones now, but you know what? They're pretty cool. Uh, we've also got Mortis coming out on paperback. Um, so, yeah, that is, we're rattling through the Siege of Terror series now. And obviously, with uh, the latest one out last weekend, uh, we've only got two books left. So, that is very, very exciting. 
For Warhammer Plus, we've got a battle report, Stormcast Eternals versus Beast Claw Raiders. So I'm, I'm keen on watching that one because uh, both of those interest me. And looking at the little thumbnail, I can see what looks like a dragon in there as well. So could we see the debut of the dragons in this one? And could that maybe mean that the dragons are uh, the pre-order post next weekend? Which makes sense. They mustn't be too far away. Uh, there's also a Citadel Masterclass on painting gems. So if you play Eldar, no doubt you'll have a lot of these to paint. Um, Louise's videos are really good. So this will be probably a way of replicating heavy metals way of doing gems, which probably involves lots and lots of layers and glazes and highlighting compared to how we normally do them. But I bet they look ace. Uh, and we've also got a new Hammer and Bolter episode. Unfortunately, we still have no Hammer. It is very mm. Bolter themed. It is called Fangs, and it is about the Space Wolves. I like Space Wolves. Space Wolves are cool. So, yeah, I think I'll be watching that one. And then in the Warhammer Vault, we've got Balance of Power, which is the next part of the Realm Gate Wars. And we've also got September through to December 2018 White Dwarfs as well. So we've now got a couple of years' worth of recent White Dwarfs, which is really, really good, because I've got a lot of them sat on my shelf that I can probably just stick in the recycling now. Yeah. Because White Dwarf episodes do take up a lot of space on your shelf don't they yeah i had a big purge of white dwarfs a while back when i moved house actually i had like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in four or five boxes worth and you're right you, they, i mean every now and then i'd go to them and pull out a classic episode you know if i was looking you know starting a new project or something i'd like to see you know some of the earlier battle reports and when the army was first released and things like that but they do take up a lot of room and it's nice to have them on the app now yeah, and like you say, you can still look up those painting guides from three years ago that you vaguely remember and try and find it. Yeah. And equally, some of the battle reports and stuff are fun to have a look through. You know, the 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 Taylor Four Gamers and stuff like that. Yeah. It's uh, nice to be able to get it digitally now rather than having to keep them stuck on the shelf. So yeah, now if you are a Warhammer Plus subscriber, they have got an absolutely amazing competition where you can win the entire Citadel color range. So that is. Every single paint across base, layer, air, contrast, shade, dry and technical, as well as one of every brush they make and all the tools they make, all the handles they make, the clippers, the spray racks, the files, the project boxes, every single thing that they do apart from spray cans. (laughs) That is a lot of stuff. And I think somebody online tallied up is about £750 worth of paints and tools and accessories and stuff. That's a lot Uh, of paint. In October, five subscribers will win it. Wow. I, um, I'd i have to find a new, like, draw to keep them all in, because it's a lot of paints. Keep you going for a bit, though, wouldn't it? It would. It would. You, you, might, be, you might be tempted to try out all sorts of, like, um, yeah. paint schemes that you've never really had the paints for. I mean, the, the terrifying thing is I've got the majority of these colours. I think Jay probably has, too. Maybe not the air colours. But yeah, definitely replenish the supply. So yes, that's really cool. Um, we also saw today on Warcom a free uh, Horus Heresy supplement. So they've done, they did, um, it was a Solar War, Pluto one, I think. Pale Fists and Alpha Legion, was it? Yeah, so now they've got another one, the Defense of Sotha, which is based on um, the Pharos Horus Heresy novel. And uh, yeah, it features the Night Lords and the Ultramarines. So, yeah, it's really cool. It's kind of like a 10-page supplement, all the same kind of like formatting and colour and style as the the actual box. Yeah, so, there's a new unit for the Night Lords in there. 
There is, yeah. So if they're putting these out, like you know, every month or so, that's that's quite cool. It's um, a nice bit of support for the Horus Heresy, especially yeah. if, like we think, that we're going to get a new box at some point in the near future as well. Mm. It also points to if there is a new edition, it's probably not going to be a million miles away from what we've currently got, because obviously the the, the profiles. Um, yes you know very classic chorus heresy themed which uh, a lot of people think is a good thing because it means all those old black books are compatible um we've, we've discussed it in the past haven't we where potentially it is an opportunity to kind of redo the whole game but arguably it, in the same way that the old world is going to be heavily based on warhammer fantasy it kind of makes sense that horus heresy is based on classic warhammer 40k yeah I think so. I mean, if you want ninth, you play ninth. Yeah, know? exactly. So, so yeah, well, it would so be nice to get rules for Sanguinius compatible with ninth edition Blood Angels, but you know, it would be. But you know, we can always we can always proxy something, can't we? That's it, yeah. You know, there's there's stuff you can do. Um, so if 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 you prefer your battles on the pitch rather than the grim darkness of the far future, we actually saw a new star player for the Skaven in Blood Bowl today. The amazingly named. The Verminator. This it's half is... rat, half machine. I tell you what, when I first saw this model, because um, I think you sent it on the the chat map before um, I saw it anywhere else, I thought this was going to be for Age of Sigma. He could easily get into an Age of Sigma army, and it'll be very surprised if he doesn't end up in many yeah. Age of Sigma armies, because yeah. he's not overtly Blood Bowl, is he? No, absolutely not. He, he looks like a Storm Fiend, basically. Yeah. He's so cool. He's got a secret weapon, but uh, with his I'll be back rule, uh, <laughs> he can actually uh, ignore being sent off once per game. So normally, cool. you know, you use your secret weapon and crack some heads. And at the end of that drive, you get sent off where with this guy, you can actually do that twice or maybe use your secret weapon, do some decimation in the first kind of like drive, get sent off, not go off the pitch using that rule and then play him normally. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. He, he looks really, really fun. I don't know when he's up for pre-order, but um, I can't imagine him being too far off. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you got a Skaven team for Blood Bowl, Dave? You know what? I don't. And I, I've, I've been asking for yeah. a while. Yeah, because I, I enjoy Peyton Skaven. I think I will be getting a Skaven team. Um, my main team really at the moment is Ogres, um, but I think I will have to pick up the, the Skaven Scramblers. Yeah. Yeah. My bro's got them. They are really cool. You know what? Yeah. We should start a new Blood Bowl League, shouldn't we, with a new edition of the game? Absolutely, yeah. I had a game of that, yeah. No, so yeah, we need to get on that. Um, and then, yeah, finally, we had a bit of a, a preview that, that Jay mentioned earlier. The Black Templars, the rest of the models in the uh, the range also got unveiled. It did say that these are not too far after the, uh, the army set, which is cool. Uh, we saw a new uh, model, the Castellan. Now, this guy is based on the guy off that John Blanche uh, artwork that we mentioned earlier. And he looks really cool, doesn't he? Well, he's like the spitting image of the artwork. It's amazing like how close it resembles the artwork. The same pose, all the details. The firstborn marine as well, although he does look quite big. Uh, incredible, yeah. And when you like look at Helbrecht, you know, compared to the artwork of Helbrecht and Grimaldus, they've done such a good job of making these Black Templars very nostalgic feeling, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, he, he looks phenomenal. We really love that model. And uh, we also saw the Sword Brethren. Now, this is a squad that we weren't sure we were going to get, but again, 
these guys look really cool, don't they? Oh, really cool. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this our first Thunderhammer Primaris? No, I th- I I think Dave, the assault intercessors, uh, the ah. the actual uh, multi-part kit has a Thunderhammer in it. However, this is the first Lightning Claws on a um, on a regular. Uh, there is no, there is another primary Lightning Claws. The um, Raven Guard character has Lightning Claws, doesn't he? Yeah, but they're very they're very uh, far in between, aren't they? Yeah, you, I, yeah. I, I quite like the guy with the bowl haircut, the power mace, which is kind of like crackling electricity and the plasma pistol. He looks really cool. Yeah, they they just look solid, don't they? Like really like, I don't know, they look chunkier than regular Primaris. And I remember when Indomitus came out and we were building the Indomitus Marines, the Blade Guard veterans, the assault intercessors. And I was thinking at the time, you know, these were made brilliant Black Templars. They look like almost like medieval knights, the, the armor they're wearing, like Bretonians, but these guys just take it to another level. Yeah, they, they, they look so good. And there's lots of nods to some of the classic, you know, you've got the robes, you've got the high kind of like uh, neck guard. Yeah. Yeah, even the like the power packs are kind of like reinforced with placing over them. It's, yeah, yeah it's, they're, they're really cool. I can't wait to see these in the flesh. Um, I think I think this box as well makes a, um, uh, it's a, a, a Castellan as well in primary, I think, it's like the uh, custodian warden box where you you can build custodian wardens and a shield caps. So I think you can build your sword brethren and, and you can also build one of them as a castellan, like a lieutenant option as well. All right, cool. The guy with the uh, the plasma combi bolt rifle thing is a is a uh, castellan as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean that is, that sounds really really cool. Uh, what they've also done for this release as well is um, they've got a expansion box, Black Templars upgrades and transfers. So we've seen these kind of things with other. Um, you know, Space Marine chapters, but they've kind of gone a step further with this one, as well as getting an absolute range of different parts for you to uh, upgrade some of your uh, Codex units to make them look more Black Temple-y, which I guess is something that you'll be doing, uh, Jay. Oh, yeah. And you get the transfer sheet. But what is new to this, and I hope they continue in the future, is you get specific parts for Crusade relics. Yeah. So that when you <laughs> unlock those relics... You can convert your model to represent it, which is such a cool idea, isn't it? I love that. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, you get some really cool helms, uh, helmets and heads, uh, some vehicle upgrade weapons. But yeah, like you say, the, the Crusade content there, the, the Sword of Judgment, the Aurelian Shroud and the Crusader's Helm. Very cool. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that this frame doesn't come in that army box. I mean, it might do. We haven't had a look at it, but. It'd be kind of cool if that was in there to give people a bit of a head start on converting up some of their older yeah. models. I, I hope we see uh, one of these boxes for some of the codex supplements that we've already had released. So we've had the Space Wolves, the Blood Angels, the Dark Angels. Uh, it would be a shame to, to have to wait another couple of years before we get an upgrade and transfer pack for those models. Yeah, see, they get the, each of them got like an upgrade sprue, but it had way less parts than this. Um, I think they've gone more of the angle of, you know, the Necromunda upgrades that they've done recently, where it's a full kind of like two sprue box with loads more options. And I yeah. do wonder if that's the way they'll go for upgrades for the future, because like you say, you can put fun stuff on there, like relics and lots of different heads and bits I believe and bobs on there. even a holy hand grenade on this sprue as well. There's a holy hand grenade. Well, that's yeah. it. That That is all that you need in life. So, yeah, really, really cool. Um, it, it does say that um, the um, models within the box will be available separately in a few weeks. So 
that's good. It's not as if it's going to be months and months until you get them. So potentially, Jay, by the time we're going to this tournament, you might be able to get some of those few kits that you're missing. Obviously, because yeah. you're not long to get them painted for the event. But uh, I think that's a better way of doing it than leaving it months and months between them. Uh, they've also said that if you pre-order the box this weekend, you will get a copy, which is great. They're doing a kind of pre-order guarantee. Now, what they haven't said is that when you'll get it. So I do wonder if it'll be like an Indomitus situation, where if they do sell through all the stock, they will make you a copy made to order, but it might be further down the line. I think they're sharing some more details on Warcom this week on the ins and outs of that. And they said back when the Octarius box came out, that's something they're looking to do for every limited box. So you're still going to have to order it like the weekend. It's um, up for pre-order, but you're not going to be in the situation where if you're not on the Games Workshop site at 10 o'clock, you miss out forever. So that's a good compromise, isn't it? I think it's a really good compromise. Beat those scalpers. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think we might see a few new Black Templars armies uh, spring up in the uh, the next few months. And if you want to try and get your Black Templars painted to a uh, battle ready standard, the, um, the the guys on YouTube put out a little colour, how to paint battle ready Black Templars video, which is maybe a bit quicker than Louisa's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only oh, yeah. had a very quick look at it because obviously I've got um, my Death Watch, which all this talk about Black Armoured Marines was like, should I get my Death Watch um, up to a, you know, 1,250 points maybe? Um, so yeah, I did I did start watching it, but I, I was at work at the time, so I'll have to watch it properly tonight. Nice. So yeah, quite a, I know we've only got the one kind of box up pre-order, but that's a pretty good pre-order week, isn't it? It is. It's a really good pre-order week, especially if you're Jay. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. It's an exciting end of the year for me, really. Black Temple's been looking forward to it for a while. Uh, so I could be working on those for the next few months. Uh, potentially we might see some Horus Heresy uh, before Christmas as well, so that's exciting. Uh, and then the, the, there are all sorts of rumours for the last two, because obviously I think we're going to get an Imperial and a Xenos uh, 9th Edition Codex before the year's out as well. And there's been some yeah. interesting rumours about what we might see there too. So exciting end of the year. Yeah, very much so. That brings us to the end of this week's new segment. It's time to talk tournaments. So we'll be right back. So Warhammer World have started putting on events once more. And I've actually got a fair number to close out the year. The two we're going to be chatting about um, are the two that we were most interested in. So the first one was a Warhammer 40,000 event, which was different because instead of focusing on match play, which... You know, a lot of the 40k kind of tournaments, especially at Warhammer World, concentrate on. This was actually going to be a crusade event. So taking advantage of the crusade rules. And this got us all very excited, didn't it, guys? Yeah, I mean, it's the first crusade event that uh, Warhammer World have done. And it's, I mean, maybe tournament's the wrong word for it, because I think it sounds like they've got some cool stuff planned for it, like where they'd have the the mission pack you'd find out on the day, because obviously you don't want to give away what, what what's happening in the twists and turns. It's all about the story. Um, and you could bring, you had to bring 50 power, but it could be an existing Crusade army that you've already built up to that point, which is really, really cool that your, uh, your existing Crusade could go on a little campaign to Warhammer World and fight through these events and 
gain access to some bespoke relics and upgrades and all the other fun stuff that the uh, events team have dreamt up. Now, unfortunately, I think this one sold out rather fast, didn't it, chaps? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, could not very. get this one, uh, which is a shame. I, I hope they do more, though, because uh, I think this would be like a unique experience to play for a crusade at Warhammer World. Yeah, I think so. I think these would be really popular, and it's a different way of going to an event, isn't it? Because, you know, in, in, a, in a tournament... It is. We go to roll, roll, roll some dice and, and have some fun. But really, a, a formal tournament's all about winning games, isn't it? Where this is a little bit different. This is about telling the story with your crusade force, with with earning those cool, unique upgrades, and even just the experience of seeing what the missions are, because that'll all be revealed on the day. So yep. you've got to make sure you've got a force that can account for anything. And in that kind of event, they can do some, you know asymmetric missions that aren't necessarily balanced in a tournament play but might be really cool like you could have sieges or one force i don't know a a ship with one of your units and a character crash lands on a planet get besieged by the enemy and you're waiting for the rest of your force to turn up to save you you know stuff that i think would be really cool from a story point of view but you couldn't probably do in like a formal tournament uh, but yeah, unfortunately, we missed out on that, which is a, which is a shame. So I'm hoping that Warhammer will do some more of these. I mean, from the speed that they sold out, I imagine they'll probably be putting on more because I think it's been a popular one. 100%. Yeah. I think it'd be really good to take like a start. I mean, what would you guys prefer, taking a brand new Crusade army or, or expanding one that you've already got? See, there's arguments for both, isn't there? I'd have because we've we we played a lot of Crusade back when the game came out. But then we got to the points where codexes were being released. So really, a lot of those early forces, you kind of want to reset and use some of the features out of the new codexes. I'd yeah. have probably used my B-snaggers, a new B-snagger force, going heavy in and all the squig stuff, and come up with a bit of narrative and backstory and name all my characters and see what antics happen. And if, you know, one of my characters kills another one of my characters and takes over the tribe, then so be it. That's that's what happens when you play Crusade. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Are you? Uh, I know uh, you uh, attempted to take some Necrons, weren't you, Dave? I I would have started a new crusade, and and, and I think see so far we've um, we've talked about doing a proper proper narrative um, campaign for Crusade when, when when we've got time to start one. We've kind of started bits with armies. I think if you were to start a Crusade army and your first kind of campaign was at Warhammer World, I would be much more kind of inclined to make sure that story continues past that weekend um so especially yeah access to like relics and things like that and injuries and stuff you need to that crusade yeah yeah it's almost like reminds me of remember you used to go to pokemon events and you get like unique pokemon and things like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean what's really cool as well is that if they did this annually or every six months that same crusade army could come back and they've got those existing upgrades and you could see them kind of the level up over the course of it. Uh, yeah. For, for AOS, I hope it's something that they do as well, especially with the, you know, the really cool thing in the AOS um, box, the Stormcast and the Uruks, where your characters can upgrade to better versions of characters and get mounts and stuff. I think that's some really cool stuff they could play on in a in a Warhammer World event. Yeah. 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 Uh, I imagine for the AOS event, they're probably waiting for the first. Uh, Path to Glory supplement to come out, which technically hasn't even been announced yet, but I imagine it's probably on the way. 
Yeah. They're doing a good job actually in White Dwarf, so um, adding Path to Glory content to older battle tomes as well, which I think is a really are, neat. Yeah, idea. it's a nice way of those older books to get in, yeah. getting to catch up, which is something that was missing for 40k because some, I mean, still some of the armies, you know, Tyranids, GC the Court, and the like, Eldar, yeah, are missing that kind of Crusade stuff, which, like I mentioned at the start, it kind of puts you off starting a Crusade army because when the book comes out, you're probably going to have to restart it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sounded like it was going to be a pretty awesome uh, weekend. Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get tickets for it, as Matt said. So let's not let's not dwell on that too much, guys. Let's talk a bit more positively about what we did get tickets for. Yes. So what did we get tickets for, Matt? So on the 27th and 28th of November, there is an Age of Sigmar team event, which is super super exciting so this is a two-day event uh with with 60 inch by 44 inch standard kind of size battle in five games you come with a team of four people each person has a different army they have to be a different allegiance it's not grand alliance but they have to be a different different army so you could take for example if you wanted to some of the bayamat uh ogres Uruks and Gloom Spike Gits, they'd be four different allegiances, even though they sit within the same Grand Alliance. Now, each team cannot duplicate War Scrolls. So if you did that and had your Destruction All-Stars and Dave took Kragnos, no one else in the team could take Kragnos. Equally, any, any War Scrolls can't be duplicated as well. So if you had, I don't know, a Stormcast player and a Cities of Sigmar player, the Stormcast players going to have to make sure that there's no allied Cities of Sigmar units in their army that the Cities of Sigmar unit player wants to take, which is a really nice way of making sure that all four of these armies that turn up are completely different forces. Yeah. Adding an extra level on top of that, each army has to have a different grand strategy and any artefacts, spells, uh, artefacts of power, enhancements, all that kind of stuff can't be duplicated across the team as well. So if uh, Flaming Sword, isn't it, plus one damage, if Dave had that, none of us could take that. Or if somebody had the uh, the ward save amulet, nobody else can take that, which means that we should see some different lists because a lot of those popular spells and artifacts are in like every tournament list, aren't they? I'm fairly certain most armies that we faced at the uh, Element Games Purple Sparkly Unicorns event had, you know, the the, the ward safe artifact in them. But obviously in this, only one person from your entire team is going to be able to take it, yeah. which should lead to some interesting things about army construction. Team members um, are not turning on themselves. Exactly, uh, fighting over these artifacts. <laughs> so, yeah, so when they've done these in the past, it kind of... There's, there's, there's a game before the game where you're drafting off to see who faces each other. And yeah. I think that is going to be an interesting part of this as well. So say if we know that we're facing a Sons of Behemoth army, we might be able to pick which of our armies face it. Yeah. So, so we, can, you, we can see what the strength of our army is and then, yeah, choose. But then equally, they can then pick something that's good against us. So you then kind of do the double bluffers. If you know that there's a hard fight coming, do you just throw the the, the one that's probably going to lose against it at a different army? So, yeah, I think there could be a lot of 
back and forth psychology on these to get the ultimate draw. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably just whoever whoever wants to fight it the most, you know, it's not going to be too much thought into it, is there? But uh, I think that'll be an interesting element to it. They've also mentioned that the the scoring, each player within your team who wins gets 20 points, but the team score caps at 60. So even if you win all four games, you you get 60 points, which means that you can afford to lose a game as well if you have a bad, bad matchup because you're not going to get penalised for winning three out of four games. I'll uh, happily uh, take that one for the team, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so it looks a really, really cool thing. Now, they said on um, on Twitter that, obviously, it's it's teams of four and they've got to adhere to social distancing. So I don't think there's going to be a massive capacity at this event. Yeah. You know, maybe even only five or six teams. Which yeah, uh, it's pretty both, exciting. Yeah, that's both exciting and you know a little bit of a shame for those because I'm sure there's going to be lots of people that are going to be absolutely devastated they're not going to this. Yeah, I mean, what's the capacity? If you can fit forty tables in there, that's what ten teams. Mm-hmm. So we've got a top ten finish then. This is it. Yes. This is it. So yeah, so uh, that'll be quite cool because it means that you're going to play like. A, lot, a big proportion of the teams playing as well. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. We'll probably play at least every team once, I guess. Well, I hope so. Well, no, if there's, if there's 10 teams, we'll only be playing half. Oh, yeah, of course. But, yeah, it, like, yeah. proportion of, you know, it's it, it's a fair chunk of people that you play against. And I think we'll see a lot of familiar faces that we've seen at other events. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we'll be, you know, Team Sprues and Brews coming out to fight for the right of the bottom table. <laughs> so yeah so so yeah so, so i'm really glad that we managed to get this one because i think this will be really fun so really the next thing we need to decide between us is what armies we're going to bring and who gets what grand strategy gets the gets relics yeah exactly so um dave what what kind of forces are you thinking about taking now obviously we've got the the army lists have to be submitted two weeks before the event which gives us about six uh, five weeks and then seven weeks till the event actually starts. So we have got a hard deadline for creating a new army. So what are your what are your thoughts? So when when we initially learned of this tournament and that we we might try and attend, I immediately thought, right, I want to get some hallowed knights uh, to take with me because that's that's an Age of Sigmar army I'm very excited to build at the moment. But like you just said, Matt, when the sort of you're looking at the deadline, you're looking at also the fact that we've got a, a one day tournament where I need to have at least my Void Dragon painted for. Uh, I'm like, is it really realistically going to happen? <laughs> Possibly. Is it going to be stressful? Yes. Um, so I think instead I will probably take my Oryx, probably just Iron Jaws, I think. Um but I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I could go big war. Um, my only other option, my only other option for Age of Sigma is um, Carriage and Overlords, which would be very different than the two armies that you are both tempted to bring along. Mm. Um, so they're my two options, really, or three options, I suppose. Um, Iron Jaws, Big War, or uh, Carriage and Overlords. I mean, I enjoy. I, be- I guess you'd bring Kragnos as well. 
Not necessarily. Really? Yeah, I or thought you'd bring something similar to what you brought for the uh, the tournament. I think I could make that spare more competitive. Player. He knows how to write lists, the spare player he does. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I think that'd be cool, Dave. I think you could do some cool stuff. Um, I mean, what, what are you thinking of taking, Matt? So, well, I've got, I've got a bit of a list. Obviously, a lot of it depends on, you know, what army you'd be taking. So I know you were thinking about doing Stormcast, but obviously, if um, if if that's not on the the shortlist anymore, then obviously there's different things I can do. So scribble down. I've got the, what I'll probably take because I think it plugs a few of the gaps in our collective armies is the classic Archeon Varangard, and then X amount of points of supportive stuff for them. So I've really got two options here. I can take a Gaunt Summoner and I can take some Furies and then summon some more Furies. And then I've got a decent caster and some fast units that can kind of jump around the battlefield and deal with objectives while the Varangard are smashing face. Because you really don't want to leave a unit of Varangard kind of like caddying an objective because they're just too effective charging things and killing things where a cheap summoned unit that can go deal with that that's great and it's quick and they can charge a unit and then make a move as their activation so that's probably what i'll take but i have been toying with a corn element as well so take a corn marked war shrine and a blood secretor the uh, blood secreter makes casting more difficult now that applies to my casting too which will obviously affect archeon but what it will do is give all of the varangard and archeon extra attacks giving you you know five attacks on the slayer of kings gives you a much higher chance of getting the magical double six and obviously varangard with an extra attack on all their weapons is terrifying especially when they can pile in twice yeah that is pretty frightening so that that is pretty cool, but obviously the 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 anti magic part of it does affect me too, and Archeon does have some good spells, so I think I need to have some games to to practice that side of it. Uh, the War Shrine. Yeah. So sorry, what's that, Jay? See how much of a hindrance it is for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, both both lists work in my head. Um, core one's a bit of a. I think a sneaky one that could work. I've seen the War Shrine as well, handing out um, ward saves to nearby units, and also it's it's a it's a priest, so you've got prayers. You can give reroll hits and wounds, which arguably all the Varen God already have with Archeon on the board. But if Archeon does fall, some of the utility from him can get then go on the shrine to keep those Varen God fighting fit because their effectiveness does drop when when Archeon dies so there's options we'll have a play to see uh what we can do with them another list i'm thinking of is the stormcast now this is going to be very similar to the list that we used on the battle report a couple of weeks ago basically built around a couple of big squads of indictors and a big kind of like cavalry lance of uh dracoths mm-hmm. i'll probably tweak some of the support characters and change it around a little bit Arguably, I could drop a unit of um, Annihilators and make it a bigger unit of four um, Fulminators, which again will be terrifying on the charge, and then run it as a Stormkeep army. So my big units of 10 Vindictors are worth 30 models, 
and I've seen an objectives-based game, that'll be a really reliable list for just claiming objectives Absolutely. while the formulators go off and do all the damage. Yeah. I, mean, I actually think I prefer that list to the Arcane one. I think those Fulminators, they're like your Vanguard in that list. They are, yeah. Really, in your Arcane list, you've got you've got the Vanguard and Archeon, whereas in the Stormcast, you've got the Fulminators, but then you've also got, like like you say, those Vindicators, or Vindictors, or whatever they are, counting as 30 wounds on an objective. I think you've got more tricks in the Stormcast list than you have in the Arcane. If Arcane gets shut down or torpedoed or something like that, you sort of out of options a bit on the on the on the ever chosen list but yeah know. so I, th- I think the storm kissed storm storm kissed storm cast would be, be quite a good list and obviously i lose out on deep strike if i go for the uh, storm keep army but i think tournament play i, I think the, the counting as more models is super important for those objectives because you know how hard it is to kill that especially with i've got um indrasta in the list as well yep it's so hard you know but and an emerald life swarm I unless I'm facing Sons of Bayamat, I'm probably going to have that objective unless you throw everything out of that objective. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be very hard to kill and stay down. Uh, <coughs> I think that's the kind of list if we're fighting like um, an army that we don't necessarily need to kill, but could have a good board control on, then Matt's army would come to the front then and go, yeah, you know. But it's still got those killy elements as well. It's not like you're missing out on that. Yeah, exactly. So I'd have to paint another two formulators for that, but I think I think that'd be a pretty good list. That's that's on the short list as well. If you don't bring Stormcast, other things on there. Big Corn Dragon for the for the comedy vote. It's <laughs> a bit of a one trick pony though for a tournament. It either does really well or gets smashed. It's it's one extreme or the other because again, a bit like the Archeon list, it is all eggs in one basket. But ar- arguably, Archeon's got a few more options to keep himself alive. Uh, yeah. Which the dragon doesn't have, unfortunately. And then finally, as a kind of curveball one, Legion of the First Prince. Yeah. Bellacor, some 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 throwaway demons, and to uh, go all in on like greater demons. Yeah. To play That's off so- the obviously we're playing in the realm of beasts, so you've got lots of monsters with that with a magical monster hero combination as well. Yeah. So that is another possibility, but again, I think what we need to do in the next seven weeks is have some practice games with all these armies and, and see what works. But I think bubbling to the top at the minute is Archeon or the Stormcast, but I think I could do a decent uh, First Prince army. What about you, Jay? What what are you thinking? Uh, Black Templars, probably. Black Templars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm uh, 100% taking the Lumineff again. So I, um, these are an army that I've waited so long to be able to use and play. I spent so long building and painting them. Um, and only now really we're coming out of COVID and we're going to events again that I've, I've been able to use them. And I had such a good time using them last weekend, used Techless for the first time. So only six match play games in with the Luminef. Um, so I want to carry on going and I want to sort of refine the strategies and, you know, master sort of the deployment phase and things like that. Just improve really using the Luminef. Um, so I will be taking them in terms of what kind of list I take um, the list I took to the tournament the other weekend didn't do too badly I think it um, surprised a few opponents just how resilient it was and I think if we get matched against um, you know armies that rely on lots of rend I mean you, you mentioned Arkeon on there Matt actually Arkeon and the Varangard I think would have a tough time against Malumineff army they would yeah <laughs> um, 
because that the the, the uh, it was a Metrica list. It had uh, 15 stone guards in it, a stone mage and Avelinor, uh, backed up by some wardens and tech lists. And the the sort of Metrican Great Nation ability to ignore minus two rounds, coupled with Teclis's um, protection of Teclis spell for the five plus ward and a big 18 inch bubble around Teclis. Um, and um, also the Aether Quartz and all that defense just meant that, you know, you, you have to be hitting them. Even if you hit them with like minus three rend, they've still got a lot of options to sort of pull up some decent defense against that. So again, I, I guess they would be a good army to take against armies that rely on the rend, high rend to get damage through. I could sort of hold them up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was thinking was um, to take Teclis out of the list and um, put even more Alarith units in. So another Mountain King, uh, another, sorry, uh, Mountain Spirit. So I'd have two of the Mountain Spirits. And then that would give me about another 300, 350 points to add other things to the list. And I was thinking, well, you've got the Twins, which are, they're sort of like a budget tech list. They've got a sort of a, 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 a smaller version of the protection of tech list spell. They get two casts. They get plus one to cast as well. They give you extra command points. And they've got a cool melee profile as well, uh, which can hit quite hard at the end of the game. And then I'd still have points then, so maybe include a couple of Ballista or something like that. Um, Sentinels? I don't want to take Sentinels. I want uh, Sentinels are very good. And, you know, I could... I could build a good Luminaf army with with 20, 30, 40 Sentinels in. That would be, you know, we that would be like a uh, a, a scalpel that you would take to some opponents. You know, if you if, you, if we get drawn against Fire Slayers, even um, Oryx, uh, I could use the Sentinels just to take out their key sort of um, characters. I mean, at 20, 30 Sentinels, you, you could find characters like Archeon as well. Um, but there's a couple of reasons why I don't want to take Sentinels. One is that um, I like to I, I like the other units as well in the Luminef book, and I'd like to build a list I enjoy playing, not just an army of Sentinels and army of Archers. And two, I don't really want to be painting another 20 or 30 Sentinels over the next two months. Um, so I, I think my list is probably going to be the same list I took to the Purple Sparkle Unicorns event. But what I might try over the next few weeks is a list with two um, mountain spirits in and the blisters and the twins and see how I get on. Um, I yeah. think we were talking on the painting stream yesterday. Teclis is very, very cool. So he's an expensive model, but when you're writing your army list, you have to think about what spells you're taking on which units. And, and you only have a limited selection, a uh, choice of spells. You can take a limited number of them. And over the weekend at the Element Games of Tournament, I use one spell, uh, the the Vortex of the Window. It's a teleport spell, basically. I used it once over the whole two two days, but I used it to great effect. I used it to teleport Teclis in to do a ton of damage to the Caradron Overlords. Now, if I didn't have um, Teclis in my list, I probably wouldn't have chosen that spell on my um, uh, army roster at, at list creation time. And then that opportunity wouldn't have been available to me during that game. Um well, because Teclis knows every single spell from the book, you sort of get a bit more flexibility game to game because you can sort of adapt to the opponent. Uh, so, for example, um, Crippling Vertigo and Voice of the Mountain, two great spells that can be used to sort of hinder low bravery uh, models. So, uh, Sons of Bear, uh, Bear Map, for example, or uh, More Crushes and things like this, you can use that combination of spells to sort of lock them down. But then, 
if you don't get drawn against those sort of opponents that are vulnerable to those spells, Teclis can flick to some other spells that he may get better yeah. use of. Um, so, yeah, so, so I really, really enjoyed using Teclis. He was very, very tough. And, of course, the Total Eclipse spell is just useful against everybody, um, that, that double in the cost of command abilities. So, yeah, so I, I think my list will be good to sort of take for the team. And, and you'd use me against those lists that, that do a lot of damage with a lot of high end. So, like I say, RK on lists, which I expect will probably sell. See, Sons of Bearmat as well. You know, I think they've got a couple of red free attacks, but the majority are red two. I think we might see a lot of dragons. Yeah, um, and of course they've got their high rend, like your fulminators. They go up to rend two, don't they? So the, the, yep. you know, I'd, I'd be getting my free plus save against the fulminators. Um, obviously, they do mortal wounds as well, and Teclas has that covered with my five plus um, ward save across the entire army, pretty much. Um, see, so one yeah. thing we might see are um, shooty cruel boys less. So as many bows as you can fit in. And then the uh, the named shaman on vulture to shut down ward saves, do damage against highly uh, armored people. So that yeah, so is something that your army be potentially weak for. Because if you can just turn off your ward save and then shoot all your characters, you're in some trouble, then, aren't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that that would be an army I wouldn't want to fight across the table. I ranged. I mean, ranged armies anyway are tough for Lumineth. Um, I fought Caradron Overlords in the last game of the tournament the, the weekend. Um, and, and they spent an entire turn firing their entire fleet off at Teclis. Um, but of course, when the dust settled, only four damage had got through, and that was because of Teclis's protection of Teclis spell, plus the Aether Quartz, Finest Hour, all that defense. Uh, so he was able to withstand that. But of course, the Caradors don't do the Mortal Wounds, where the Cruel Boys do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they could switch off to protection of Teclis, and then they start getting more wounds through, it doesn't matter how much Aether Quartz or Finest Hours I use, they're just going to kill Teclis. And if Teclis is off the board, that army, it's got some staying power still. The Alarif is sort of can work on its own quite well, but it's very slow. Uh, I can't teleport them around. Um, and of course, then they can focus everything on, on the Alarif stuff then, rather than having multiple threats on the board. So yeah, so I, I wouldn't want to get drawn against an army like that. How about you, Dave? Are there any kind of matchups that you wouldn't want to face? What armies would I not want to face? I'll tell you what I um I do struggle with a little bit with my Iron Jaws, and I found this out the hard way against the Gloom Spites, is like Horde-type armies. Uh, I think they could be a bit of a problem for me. Um, and I haven't fought them yet, um, but potentially... Actually, I, actually, I'm not really too worried about Sons of Bear, Matt. I'm gonna to have to say I'm gonna to have to say horde armies and fast moving armies. Slanesh and Gloom Spike Gits, I think, um, could be a challenge for me. Yeah, see I think I think the horde armies, if you use brutes, you you you've got the objectives, they just need to try and kill you. But, which I think with the amount of attacks they get, they've only got a four plus save. And there's no way apart from well, there's Mystic Shield, obviously, like all out defence to bring them up to a three plus save. Um they've got three wounds each. They're not unkillable. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying about they've got their rule where one wound models haven't got the object, excuse me, haven't got the objective. But I think that they're not impossible to take down in numbers. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think between us, I mean, and Andy is thinking of either taking away. He's got all sorts on his list: ogres, bone reapers. Sons of Bayamat. There's even talk of Nurglyph, the new books out by then. Okay. So um yeah, so I, I think between us we're gonna have lots of options for fighting different armies, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think I think we will. Um 
Yeah, absolutely. Jay's got quite a defensive army, great for objectives. Yours is kind of middle ground if you went for the Stormcast list, Matt, or maybe more killy if you went for Archeon, where I think whatever list I would take would be pretty killy. I mean, Caradons would be interesting for maneuverability. I don't don't know if that's something that we potentially lack um, between our lists. I don't know. I mean, in, in my experience over the two, I, I always fought Lillymanef for a slow army, but in, in, in my games I had over the weekend, I was finding I was able to get onto objectives at the backfield with no problem. A uh, mm. combination of teleporting, the smaller board side as well helps. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, and I like, think the I, most I, important thing is, is an army that you enjoy and an army that you know how to play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I'm in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy them. I'm halfway there. Um, I, I think it's going to be. It doesn't matter what we take, really. I, I'm sure it's going to be an absolutely amazing event. Um, I just want to roll some dice, really. <laughs> yeah, I, it'll be, it's going to be. It's going to be really fun to like play the games alongside you guys, and then have a bit of a kind yeah. of um, there, there is, debriefing there is, after the game and see how we've all got on. There is that little bit of added pressure as well, isn't it? I mean, we're obviously we're all friends, but. You're kind of going to be thinking like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to let the side down here, you know. I well, really this is it. As well as team score, there's an individual score. So I wonder if they'll have some prizes for like individual best players as well. Maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the practice games as well because I think we should try and really, because you know, we we probably have habits of not really training for tournaments, do we? Maybe we need we to should. get good. We need to get good. Well, that's <laughs> it. I think we need to try and have a game every week yeah. and get, yeah. get, get our tactics get, down. Get, get good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can't wait to obviously discuss how we get on on the podcast uh, the week after. So that's going to be late in November. Um, should be uh, should be really, really cool. I think that wraps us up for this segment. And we do have our weekly top three coming up next. It's time to talk top threes. Um, so I'm going to start us off this week. We are going to be talking about our top three scenery sets uh, that are either available now or have been available uh, in the past for any of the different Warhammer systems. My third choice is going to be one from 40k, and it's one of the first terrain pieces I ever got. And I just thought it was quite an imposing piece of scenery. And that is the Sky Shield Pad. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't know if you've reviewed. I've got this. I don't think you've got this in your collection, actually, Matt. I haven't. No, no. It's one of the few pieces that I haven't got. It is. It is big. Um, which is, <laughs> I think it's a bit overly big, really. But it does fit most. I don't think there's a 40k flyer um that's available in plastic that um doesn't fit on this thing. Uh, that's why I said in plastic. Wow. As, as I was talking, I thought we'll try and put a little <laughs> disclaimer in there. Um, but I, I've I've toyed about with like playing with like having containers on there and having a crane over it, and um, because I was tempted to have it as the main feature of a Necromunda board, but obviously it's a big open space. So what I would do is break it up with little, um, you know, boxes and barrels, and maybe have a container and the crane and stuff going over it. Um, yeah, I'd have on it as a Necromunda board. Have a flyer on it. Or have a flyer on it. Have to fight over. Yeah, yeah. So 
that 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 it, it's a really cool piece of scenery and it's quite old now i don't know when it originally came out but i've had it for a very long time of course it's scenery that i own it's not painted it really <laughs> painted um but yeah that that was my third choice um my second choice uh, has got to be and it's not even out yet so i am i am absolutely cheating here is the market for necromunda oh yeah um so what gets me excited about this is um obviously all the scenery we've had so far have all been very industrial very um uh very sci-fi um even zone Bortalis. um what excites me about the market is when we're going to be playing these games in Necromunda or, or, or any of us small skirmish game using these, you know what it's going to remind me of? It's going to remind me of like close combat firefights that like we used to play on Battlefield and Call of Duty and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's what gets me really excited about that particular type of scenery. And you've got all the little bits of scatter scenery as well, like vases and um, stuff like that. I think it, it's cheating. It's not out yet, but it looks incredible and i think it's going to work really well not only with the zone mortalis tiles which i think is obviously what it's mainly designed for but i think it'll also look cool on the streets of like a, a city where you've got like a building with a few market stalls next to it it'll really yeah. bring it to, to life a lot of them attached to a flat surface so the idea is you have a zone mortalis wall or column and then you have this kind of like shanty kind of built off the side of it I reckon that'd work really well. So you had a big imperial temple or something, and then yeah. there's like shanty town around it of all the kind of religious followers who are crowding around to try and uh, be near it. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a cool one, Dave. Absolutely. Um, and my third favourite, uh, or my, my 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 top choice is one that um I don't own, but I've I fancied adding it for for quite some time. Unfortunately, I wasn't prepared enough for its name. But it was one of the new Sector Imperialis buildings that had the multiple statues. So you had like oh, a, yeah. a tech priest, basically. You had like a robed space marine. Um, I've always fancied adding this to my collection and I've not done that yet. But I think out of all the new buildings they released, this one was like so Imperium, like it screamed Imperium. Um, and you can imagine like if you went into a, an Imperial city, it would be a there would be loads of statues and stuff, wouldn't there? Because the Emperor loves himself. He loves what he's created. Um, you can just imagine it. Lots and lots of statues. Um, I, I've actually... The only statue I have got is the real classic Space Marine one. And it came with a bunch of scatter scenery. I think you've definitely got this, Matt. Yeah. Um, it, so he was tempting. Um, but no, it would have to be... Was it the Balascarium? Bal- Bal- and I know the one you mean. A big scene yeah. that came with some statues. It was cool. Yeah, it was. I don't cool. know if you can still get it. A lot of that's disappeared from the web store now. Has it? Yeah. That, oh, interesting. I hope I've not missed out on that. Because obviously um, we're getting slightly updated ones in the new Kill Team box, aren't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but they're not they're not as impressive as, as this one. This is big and impressive, but yeah. yeah well, we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll have a look uh, after the show. Um, Jay, what is your top three? Um, cool. So my top three um, years back, I don't think Forge World do this anymore. Forge World used to do like um, big um, two by two uh, resin tiles, uh, different mm. boards, uh, and they did some really cool like bunkers and um, uh, battlefields. And I think there's like a Necroni looking board as well. But but one of my favourites was the tile that had a crashed Thunderhawk on it. Yes. Ah uh, yes. Um, so you know you're playing your games over a crashed Thunderhawk because Thunderhawks really nice models 
bit difficult to use in uh, a game of 40k, a bit hard to manoeuvre around a battlefield. So if you just crash it on the floor, you get all of the sort of benefits of looking at a nice, well, smashed up, nice Thunderhawk model, but you don't have to worry so much about placing it, moving it. Yeah. Um, so that was my third choice. Uh, my second choice wasn't, it's not a bit of terrain or scenery you can buy, um, but it was a bit of terrain and scenery that I always used to love seeing when it appeared in battle reports in White Dwarf. Um, and actually, I think it went on to inspire some um, scenery that came out later on. And, and this, uh, I have one memory of um, an ace battle report between Abaddon and the Black Legion versus uh, Eldrad and the Ulthwa um, Craftworld Eldar. And um, this was a really cool battle report, actually, because there was a really cool bit of story. They, they wrote really cool, like, Joe, they used to do it in the old White Dwarfs and old Codex, these little paragraphs of, like, narrative and lore. Uh, so it was set around the Abaddon's uh, 13th uh, Crusade, and I think this was just before he was about to launch the 13th Crusade, and Eldrad was trying to um, take the Ulfwood to try and cut, cut that off before it, before it got any momentum. And on this battlefield, they had a uh, downed Eldar Phantom Titan that they'd scratch built. It's like a, an Ulfwood Phantom Titan. Um, and it was sort of scattered across, so it fallen across the battlefield. Um, and there was some Eldar Webway Gate scenery as well that they'd, they'd scratch built, which then, of course, now you can buy an Eldar uh, Webway Gate, to, a Wraith Gate, uh, to, to use with your Craftworld Eldar and, and Dark Eldar. Um, so that was always really, really cool, and I used to love I can't wait for that White Dwarf to come back onto the Warhammer Plus app so I can read it again. Yeah, it was, it was a good battle. And this was like third edition, I think, third or fourth edition. Um, so my top choice, and I think you might have noticed a the theme developing here, uh, this is a board at Warhammer World, um, <laughs> which has a downed Warlord Titan on it. So you play your game over the corpse of like a burnt out, actual, they've smashed up a, a, a Forge World Warlord Titan, so you can have your battle over that. Um, and I mean, it always blows me away when I see it because it's such a cool looking board. And, you know, it, to fit, I mean, you, Warhammer World can get away with doing that. You know, they, they can make one of these models and smash it up, but I can't imagine anyone else like mere mortals doing that. Um, but again, this is the same thing, you know, it's it, it's very, very, very rare. You'd be very, very lucky if you can take a, a, a Warlord Titan to a 40k game and actually use it properly. Uh, so the next best thing surely is fighting over the skeleton, the burnt out husk of a Warlord Titan. Um, in fact, I, we really need to book that table and have a game on that table. We do, we absolutely do. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's a great show, Jay. I thought you were going to mention the the, the bridge one for a moment, but um, but yeah, I forgot right, about yes. that one. The bridge board is good, yeah, but the I think it's scenery good. pieces, and I slowly got bigger and bigger. Yeah, no. Uh, what I'd love to see is like a downed um, Imperial Navy spacecraft <laughs> fighting over one of those. Yeah, that'd be ace. Really, really cool. Uh, Matt, do you want to finish us off with your uh, your top three? Well, in third choice, I've gone for a bit of Middle Earth, and it's the Rohan House. This is a super modular kit that can basically build you any Rohan-style house you can you can dream of. It's really clever how the sprue's put together. You can just build it as a single cottage. You could build it as a blacksmith's. You could build it as a the the, the great hall that um, is you know in the film. And it's all got modular different tiles and joinings and different kind of roof fixtures. So it can really go together in any combination. Uh, I really hope that when the old world comes around, they use some of that design to 
to give us more like classic fantasy style buildings because I guess arguably it's a bit too fantasy for for uh, Age of Sigma, which is a bit kind of more uh, surreal, isn't it, in its buildings? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, such such a good kit, and basically you can build as big of a building as you want. Your limits just your number of frames that you've got. Buy six of those kits, you can build this massive like you know grand hall, which is amazing. Second choice is the Shattered Storm Vault scenery range. This stuff is so good. I remember we were at a uh, Warhammer Fest, weren't we, when Ray showed it off yeah. the first time. And this is super cool. I mean, we use it in a lot of games that we play. Um, it can go together in lots of different ways. There's some really clever design elements. So you can build it as like a single big structure or use all the separate parts in different ways to make some smaller structures. The way the, uh, we always knock them off, but the way there's little yeah. supports to hold the mm-hmm. columns so you can have it with or without them. It's so good. You don't need to glue anything together at all. It just goes together in countless different ways. Uh, Definitely one of the best Age of Sigmar ranges that they've done. And then finally, it had to be the Zone Mortalis range. I've always loved Zone Mortalis back from when it was kind of, uh, like Jay mentioned earlier, the kind of Forge World tiles, but they were presets. The, the advantage of the Zone Mortalis stuff, it's all plastic. And again, you can leave this all modular and it all clips together with staircases and platforms. And you can stick it together if you want a bit more stable. But you have got the advantage of if you're limited for space and storing big kind of bespoke Necromunda builds does take a lot of space. With the Zone Mortalis stuff, you can just clip it all together and then unpack it and stick it in a box when you're done with it. Yeah. Which solves one of the massive problems with having a scenery collection as well. Yeah, that's that's what's always sort of held me back a little bit, but I, I still want to do a Necromunda board um, because I think that'd be quite easy to store. Yeah, so yeah, Zoma Solis is ace. It's also compatible with the Sector Mechanica stuff as well. So all of the walkways and the columns and stuff of the Sector Mechanica stuff are exactly two columns high from the Zone Mortalis range, meaning that you can kit bash the two of them and they go together perfectly. I've built a big um, Necromunda piece that uses the tectonic frag drill. And that entire thing is exactly four columns high. Um, the the piping is three columns high and there's pieces to fit the piping to those zone metallic columns. You can keep stacking up the, the, the ladders and staircases as much as you want to get around those angles. So in theory, I mean, there's some at Warhammer, isn't there? But in theory, you could build a massive, like, 20 column high structure and have kind of ladders and stairs or kind of going around it in a bit of a spiral staircase with all piping and ducts and walkways and gangways and little bits of equipment hanging down really the sky is the limit it's just you know if you've got enough parts you could make the most elaborate board ever i was going to say that the sky and also your wallet and funds are the uh, limit (laughs) so i did have i did have some honorable mentions now Jay mentioned the kind of bespoke uh, tiles that Forgeworld used to do. Before that, they actually did a trench kit where you had to create the board yourself out of polystyrene, but it was a kind of a sunken trench that you'd put into it with all walkways. Oh, right. So back when the Deathcore of Krieg range first came out, and I think they're super rare and super hard to get hold of now, but they looked absolutely fantastic. But the games workshop trenches are cool, but obviously they're raised, so it doesn't really work yeah. like a trench, does it? Where these were no. kind of you, you'd carve out the trench lines and then put these in, and there's all sandbags and encampments and stuff, and it looked 
so so good so that's, that's, that's an honorable mention as is the old manor house for uh, warhammer fantasy which i still uh, think stands up now yes that's a fantastic i always wish i had one of these i luckily managed to pick one up before it went uh out of production and i really hope they reinvent it for the old world yeah that'd be that'd be incredible i'd be tempted to get that even though i haven't got uh, a sigma board um yeah very very cool excellent stuff um I, I, there was one or two honourable mentions uh, in my list, but I think some of them might crop up on the community top three. So speaking of which, we'll take a pause and we'll come back with that. So it is time for our final segment on this week's podcast, and it's time to read out the community top three picks. Now, a little note, uh, at the time of recording, it is the great Facebook shutdown. <laughs> so unfortunately, we can't access um, our top three um, community notes uh, from, from Facebook. So apologies if you did leave your trade on there. Um, there was a couple of good ones, I think. Um, but but Twitter is still going, which tells me that Twitter are responsible for this big, massive shutdown. Um, so Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So, on Twitter, Anonymous Rex uh, has got the Sector Mechanicus terrain from Kill Team, the Imperial Sector Ruins, and the Azurite Ruins. Love the sturdy feel of these kits and how the sprues are smartly laid out. Uh, one thing for the Azurite Ruins, they make really good um, flight stands for your Caradron ships. Uh, yeah. If you pin them cleverly, it looks like they're flying past them. Um, Mouse Bait says, it's hard because of all the amazing stuff that Ray Dranfield's done. However... Number one, the mech shop work table. Two, the Minotaurum crates. Three, the Promethean pipes. And four, the Necromunda stairs. Yeah, some really good choices there. The humble crates are really, really good for like line of sight blocking as well. Yeah, they are. And they're really, they're so, they're so 40k as well. Um, great scatter scenery. Yeah. Uh, Garrow 30k says the Zone Mortalis walls and doors, the Zone Mortalis stairs and platforms, and the upcoming Necromunda marketplace. You might see a theme there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On a related theme, Vidic says, my top three are the Necromunda Gang hideout. Again, an amazing kit. The Zone Mortalis walls and doors. Again, awesome. And their protein recla- reclamator. So this is um, Mark Bedford when he did a lot of the Necromunda terrain. And I think we've seen this in person, Jay. He'd built this big, yes. uh, basically... A slaughterhouse you throw the bodies in it grinds them up the uh corpse starch comes out the bottom and he used the uh the scale space marines stargate thing on yeah. its side with the more spiky bits and a bit of a, a gutter on the bottom of it it was awesome was... actually recreated this piece for piece it looks amazing yeah i remember seeing that as well it must have been at an open day or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah really cool. So, so yeah, so Vidic's recreated it piece for piece. It looks exactly like Mark Bedford, so really oh, cool. Yes. I need to do the same at some point. Uh, Fabius Fulgrim said the Necromunda Market, the Sector Imperialis at Basilicanum, and the Gorkamorka Cardboard Fort. I can't believe I forgot the Cardboard Gorkamorka Fort. <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy says the Fortified Manor for Warhammer Fantasy, the Citadel Woods and the Witch Fate Tour, all still classic kits. Darren Winter says, the mighty fortress. Ah, oh, you've got bits of this, haven't you, Dave? Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got enough to... I've got all of it. To, I could Have make you? a castle. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If we ever oh, went really? to Siege game, we, we, I've got that covered. Like always. <laughs> uh, number two, the Wall of Martyrs. Number three, the Imperial Manor House. 
Uh, Neil says Cities of Death. That's the classic. I've got this, the old um, original 40k buildings, which are quite a bit smaller than the new ones. Yes. Uh, the Zone Mortalis, both the old and new, and anything with the old Necromunda bulkhead. So if you played Necromunda back in the 90s, it, you got a sprue of plastic bulkheads and then card components that slotted in to make this modular like, kind of like, like an oil rig. They were really cool. Um, obviously, the the sector mechanica stuff is kind of like the spiritual successor to that, but you actually had more options with the Necromunda bulkheads because you could do diagonals and stuff because it's all made out of card. And then finally, Scott Frazier says the Void Shield Generator, again, amazing yeah, kit. Cool. The Tectonic Frag Drill, mentioned it earlier, really cool kit for the Genesis of the Cults. And finally, the Orc Fort. So this is, I guess, a spiritual successor to that cardboard one we mentioned earlier. Uh, it came in the uh, Octarius box. It can build four or five different small Orc buildings, but they all transform it together into one big Orc Fortress, which is an amazing piece of design. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um it must have been over on uh, Facebook. Somebody gave a shout out to the Crash Tequila Lander um, from Battle from a Crag. Uh, that was definitely going to be one of my honourable mentions. Um, I've definitely got to utilise that in my uh, Necromunda board somewhere, I think. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, what's next week's top three, Matt? So, obviously, we've got the, the Black Templars limited edition book coming out with that classic John Blanche artwork. So, we want to know your top three games workshop pieces of cover art Ooh, so these can be nice. from a game system or a codex or a battle tome there's there's a lot of cool ones to go out here oh yes. yeah that's gonna be a that's difficult a one um excellent you can get your choices in early uh via social media head over to facebook.com forward slash bruise and bruise that is when facebook is working uh or you can tweet to us at bruise and bruise um or wait until the sunday monday before we record uh and post a reply to uh, the tweet that matt uh very kindly remembers to send out and I think, gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another week's podcasting. Um, I believe we've got Andy back next week. I don't think he's in work. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, and hopefully, um, we'll uh, we'll have lots more hobbying to to tell you guys about. Until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruce podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.